Welcome to the Switch Leader Podcast, where we decide today the leader we will be tomorrow. Hey, Switch. Welcome back to another week of the Switch Leader Podcast. My name is Josh Baldwin, and I'll be your host. And I'm here with my friends, Caitlin Caffrey and Katie Roanhouse. This week, rather than just talking about your need for community, we're going to talk about how that connects to also your need for spiritual intensity. When you think of spiritual matters in general, we're, we're talking about the unseen. So we're talking yeah. about something that isn't necessarily visible to you. And so spiritual intensity would have a whole lot to do with what's happening in your own heart as you are doing everything that you can to connect with the Father. So like my, in, my interest, my intentionality to make sure that I am doing my part to invest in myself spiritually to build myself up, to dig deeper spiritually so that I know Christ more. So as a switch leader or as a parent, your spiritual intensity will have so much to do with the way that that bleeds into their lives. And so I'm excited to get to have a conversation about this and dive a little bit deeper into how we can increase our spiritual intensity and what that may have to do with community. Yeah, that's good, Josh. With that setup, I think what's interesting to think about is that so often we leave community out of the equation when it comes to spiritual intensity. Like the first things that pop into our minds when we think of spiritual intensity are usually like really intense periods of fasting or like reading yeah. the Bible in 30 days like Vince Parker does right. every 30 days. <laughs> like those are the things that we think of when we think of spiritual intensity, these really intense things. But I think that a uh, community is just as much as part of that equation, but it would be the thing that I think that the enemy would love for us to leave mm -hmm. out of the equation because he knows we actually are better together <laughs> and we experience the fullness of life and the most powerful expression of the church when we are actually part of community. It's been like said so many times that if he can get you isolated and alone, like an animal that leaves its pack, like yeah. you are an easy target. And so I think right. there's a few things that lead to community being left out of the equation of spiritual intensity. But I think the number one thing is that it is a ploy of the enemy, <laughs> our spiritual enemy, who wants nothing more than to steal, kill, and destroy, who wants us to end up isolated, alone, and separated from God's mission, from the good plan that he has for the world. And that plan is the church. It is the body of Christ. It is being connected to a group of believers. I think number two would be my own pride. Like yeah. just that voice that says, I, I don't actually really need people. Like I can do this spiritual intensity, this walk with Jesus thing all by myself. I'm getting uncomfortable. I don't actually need anyone. <laughs> I don't like this one. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like I am responsible for manufacturing my own spiritual intensity here. And we're going to talk more about this one later. But this is so much of my story. And this is so much of how I think that the enemy actually accomplishes his ploy is by right. playing at our own pride. And the last thing that I think gets us, y'all, is past pain. There are so many people who I've had conversations with recently 
who are just struggling with having been hurt by a community of people that was supposed to be following Jesus. And it, it keeps them from wanting to engage in that again. And so the past pains that we have experienced can cause us to think that community isn't actually good. It isn't actually safe. It isn't yeah. actually something that is healthy and that can lead me closer to Jesus. So we're going to talk about that a little bit too and what it looks like to actually heal in the presence of people. Hey, is everyone like me excited to talk about past pain and pride? Because mm. I mean, <laughs> I'm just, I'm ex- I just can't wait to get there. So I am, I am really excited. Ploy of the enemy, pride and past pain. These are all a little bit, you know, if you think you're like, yeah, that's, that's obvious and significant. Like when I, when I look throughout the, you know, the times in my life where I probably have been, have been attacked. And when I think about what the enemy would benefit from me not having community, it's easy for me to look and see, yeah, these make sense as legitimate boys. So I know that we've got a few different points that you're going to hit on and no yep. doubt that there will be some scripture involved. Surprise, surprise. We're going to read the Bible today. <laughs> um, so today we're going to talk about how community is integral to who we are as human beings, how it is practical for living and how it is vital to being a faithful disciple of Jesus. We're going to go ahead and kick off with that first one because it just lays the foundation for the rest of this conversation, um, which is community is integral to who we are as human beings. And this idea comes from the fact that we are people who are made in the image of a communal God. Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says this, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female he created them. I like tried to enunciate it really clearly, but when we talk about this passage of scripture, what's always so interesting to point out is the, is the pronouns that are used. God says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, because what he is doing is he is showing us that he has eternally existed as a trinity, which is a loving community of father, son, and spirit. So God has always existed as a community of love. So as people made in the image of a communal relational God, What we need to know right off the bat is that we were literally built for relationships. And this is why it is the ultimate ploy of the enemy to fracture our union with God and ruin our ability to relate with others. And that's what we see playing out in the fall. Two chapters later, this beautiful union and community completely falls apart because the enemy runs a play to get people to distrust their relationship with God and distrust and have uh, like weird interactions with others where no longer it is about us and God living together in trusting relationship with one another. Now it is us doubting the goodness of our God. And it is us uh, vying for position over one another. 
And that is the ploy of the enemy that we see play out in the very beginning of the biblical story. But what I wanted to draw our attention to is just setting up the fact that we are quite literally made in the image of a God who is communal and relational at the core of who he is. So this is literally what happens in the beginning of the biblical story. But I think what's really interesting is that we see this continue to play out in our lives today. It is a story where we still every day have to work towards having a trusting relationship with God, trusting his goodness towards us and living in unity and harmony and not vying for position over one another. So for you guys, when you think about the fact that we are literally made in the image of a relational God, like what resonates with you about that? And where do you feel resistance to that idea? I think for me, it encourages me because I have, ever since I've been young, I have felt that that's a gift that I have is the gift of that relational goo, if you want to call it that, with people. I've, I, I think it was my mom raised me. I would walk into rooms and she would point out the people that were sitting by themselves and have always had eyes ever since then to connect with people. And I believe maybe that was a gift that God gave my mom to give me. And so it's been who I am. So to know that I relate to God in that way is actually really special, mm-hmm. knowing that those are those are traits that he passes down to us because That's we, we are of him. But, you know, resistance, man, sometimes it's just hard to know that when you share, when you are relational, when you go there with people, that they are going to protect your words. You mm-hmm. want to talk about past hurt. Oh, like, sure, I think we've all experienced it. You know, like I'm not, I'm yeah. not unique. And it's our responsibility to get back out there and get back in the game. But man, I mean, there's few instances that come to mind, I'm sure, for all of us that experience tells us don't go back there again. But, you know, as in our sanctification Mm -hmm. process, it's actually we don't rely on experience and the safety method to draw back and isolate. That is so good, Katie. I love what you said about our sanctification isn't based on our own protective mechanisms or what feels safe or comfortable to us, it is totally dependent on the Spirit of God working in us. I think that that was a beautiful point to bring up. So number one, we talked about how community is integral to who we are as human beings. And that is why the enemy wants nothing more than to mess that up. So the next thing that we're going to talk about is how community is actually practical for living. Like this isn't something that God decided to set up because it was just like going to be an extra thing for us to do. Like it's actually helpful to us. Life is truly better when we do it together. So Josh, could you read Ecclesiastes 4? This is a classic, but go ahead and read it. You bet. It says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. I love scripture, man. He said it already, but I just love scripture. It's just like, (laughs) sucks if you fall and no one helps you. Uh, I'm curious if either of you guys have a recent story of like taking a fall in life and having people there to help you up. Just a quick recent story. What does that look like practically? 
Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna chime in here just because I think it's really funny that it says if somebody falls, pick them up. Because I can't remember the last time I fell and actually physically needed a hand, but both myself and my husband were down bad last week with some type mm. of mystery bacterial virus, and mm. it was not good. And you you cannot do that on your own. We had just recently moved to Stillwater in July of last year, so recent. Some would say some wouldn't, and you know, like feeding yourself. My husband, I had to go in into his room and make sure he was eating because when you know when you're sick, sick, you're not thinking about mm. that stuff. You just need to sleep. So imagine me also being sick, taking care of him, but then I can't go like out into the community and get food, water. Even there's such a thing as distilled water for your vaporizer so that the people mm -hmm. in your home can breathe. I can't go pick those things up because now I'm risking other people getting sick. And so in that moment, you know, he's from New Mexico. I'm from Ohio. Our families are really far away. All we have right. is the community. And I was noticing, mm. you know, text message after text message. It was part of my daily rhythm. I would say probably 10 people every day reaching out, asking if we needed anything, barking down our door, sending us soup, medicine, like stuff to keep it's us good. entertained. Like it's the type of thing that literally doesn't make sense. But because of the goodness of God that he cares about us so much Come that on. he would have thought that part out already, that, you right. know, something is as small as a, a, a week out of the year that you and your husband are sick. And I'm going right. to make yeah. sure that you're taken care of and, and more. That's what community gives us. And it was, it was hard for sure. Nobody likes being sick, but it was so special to see all those people lined up ready to help us because we needed it. Yep. That's good. That's really good. What I love about that is you could have easily like bluffed your way out of people helping you. Like, Oh, it's really not yep. that bad. Like, oh yeah, I'm fine. I can make some soup. Like, don't worry mm -hmm. about it. And we do that so often. It's but true. I just want to go ahead and call that what it is. That is pride. Yeah, I've and been pride, sick and done that. Yes. Right. And it pride in either of ex its expressions, arrogance or insecurity, is still pride. And what, it, what I've seen so often in my life is that is the very thing that robs me of experiencing the absolute joy of getting to do life with people. Okay. Arrogance creates a soundtrack in my mind that says, I don't need people. And that destroys any opportunity for people to be the church to me, for me to receive ministry from Jesus through his people. And that is a sad thing to miss out on. Like, I do not want to yeah. miss that. And insecurity creates a soundtrack in my mind that says, I don't deserve people. And it right. does the exact same thing. It creates yeah. distance and separation that disallows people to minister to me, to reflect the grace and mercy and love of Jesus in my life. And I actually understand his love less when I don't allow people to love me. Because that is what we were intended to be an expression of to each other. So I don't know which one you struggle with more. Maybe it's arrogance. Maybe it's this idea that I don't need people. Maybe it's insecurity. It's I don't deserve people. But both are expressions of pride just in different directions. And what I need you to know is that pride will ruin your ministry. And it will ultimately destroy your life. I was straight up almost taken out when in college... I got a concussion that almost killed me. And I had worked myself to the point where I was completely isolated and alone. I didn't have any friends who could help me. 
I was four hours away from my family and I was literally laying in a dark room all by myself for months Mm -hmm. uh, because I couldn't walk to my car without passing out. I couldn't like read my school books anymore. Like someone literally had to like read my textbooks to me because I couldn't, I couldn't like focus on the words. And during that point in my life, that was what I would call my rock bottom moment. Like I had taken so much pride in my intellectual ability. I had taken so much pride in my athletic ability. I had taken so much pride in like the, honestly, even like a pharisaical, like spiritual knowledge that I had. And every single one of those things was taken away from me. And it was at that point that I realized that the absolute definition of poverty is isolation. That was it. The enemy had gotten me right where he wanted me, and I finally saw it. And from that point forward, I had the opportunity to confess a lot of the things that I had done that had gotten me into that space and then allow God to heal and start rebuilding not just my body and my brain, but the community of people and my understanding of the church from that point forward. That's so good. There's something you said, your unwillingness to allow people to love you says a lot about your understanding of the way Christ loves you. And I think that that's really, really, (laughs) that's a very concise way and beautiful way to illustrate genuinely the love of Christ and his intention for us to love one another. And and absolutely the way that pride gets in the way. This has been one of my greatest weaknesses and downfalls throughout the course of my life. And, you know, I may share in a little bit more of the, the re, you know, the way that that has panned out for me, but I have most certainly experienced the need for me to allow people to love me and then gotten to experience that it really did show me more about the way that Christ loved me. And that's a really, really special thing. So I can't wait to hear more of that story. And this is actually where we're going next. So great setup. Um, We talked about how community is integral to who we are as human beings, how it is actually practical for living. And now we're going to talk about how community is vital to being a faithful disciple of Jesus Katie, would you read John 13, 34 and 35? Yeah, of course. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I use the word vital in that point. Community is vital to being a faithful disciple of Jesus because vital is a word that means absolutely necessary or important absolutely necessary or important. And that word is so dang intentional because when I read this command from Jesus, man, my ears perk up. I get on the edge of my seat because this is my king talking and he is giving Mm -hmm. me a directive. And this directive says this, that my assignment is to love one another, that is other disciples of Jesus, contextually, to love one another the same way that he has loved us. And it is by this that everyone will know who we are following. We say this all the time, that the world will know who Jesus is by the way we love. 
And so what I want to just present to you guys right now is this idea of becoming like Jesus actually requires being with people. You cannot become like Jesus by yourself. You cannot become like Jesus in isolation. Why? Because Jesus was all about loving people. And so if I want to be like him, then I have to be all about loving people. But, and there is a but, being with people is hard and it is often scary because of the past pain that we have experienced. And I don't want to like brush over this, but I just want to say that that's why Jesus' command is actually so beautiful because he sees and he knows the pain that you've experienced. And get this, he knows that the healing that you need, that what you need to heal is nothing less than his love. What we need to heal is his love. And so what's so cool about this is what Jesus is inviting us into is to be people who generously apply the balm of his love to each other's wounds. That is the kind of community that Jesus is talking about in this verse. That is what this command is all about to be wounded healers in each other's lives. And there, I, I can speak from personal experience that there is nothing quite so powerful as when you say the scariest, worst things that you have ever done out loud to someone else and they don't get up and leave the room. Yes. They actually stay and they cry with you and they pray for you. And they look for ways to help you. In short, guys, they, they give you grace. Right. And I know so from good. personal experience that having the grace of God reflected to me through another person is one of the most healing things that I have ever experienced. So what I wanted to encourage us to do is to understand community is an integral part of who we are as human beings that it is practical for living, and that it is absolutely vital to being a faithful disciple of Jesus. So two things that I would encourage you guys to do. Number one, look for where God is moving on your campus and ask to be a part of it. Maybe it's a Bible study that's happening at your campus on Tuesday nights, and God is moving in that space. Well, ask to be a part of it. And then Thing number two is if you don't see something, start something. And it can be as simple as going to lunch or coffee with another leader this week, sharing what's going on in your life, being honest about the needs that you have, and being someone who lets God's grace work in that conversation. Josh, I would love to close with just hearing a little bit about your story because well, what I know about you as someone who has gotten to be your friend for a while is that community is a really key aspect of your story and learning to invite people in to some of your deepest pain has been really transformative for you. So would you close us out by sharing a little bit of what God's been teaching you? Yeah, absolutely. So I was a youth pastor at Northwest Oklahoma City campus for 12 years. I had been uh, dealing with chronic health problems for most of that time. 
probably six years ago, I realized that our community in Switch was not not as tight as I want, you know, knew it needed to be. And I realized that we like we genuinely were, just weren't as close as we needed to be. People had problems, you know, and we're going through stuff. And I knew that there were other people who would love to help, and I just didn't know about it. And then I realized that I, as the leader, had not not been a transparent leader. Like I was dealing with some pretty tough stuff and had done a really good job of making sure no one knew about it. And so finally I stood on stage at a vision night with our leaders and I, I kind of just spilled my guts and just said, Hey, this is, this is what's going on with me. Like this is kind of my stuff and have had some health problems for a while. It's not been super fun and, uh, need you to pray for me. Need you to know what's going on in my life. And that, that was kind of the initial, kind of the beginning of what ended up being a, a great thing for a lot of people because it showed that, hey, we, we've got to do this and we, we need more transparency, but we, we need more genuine care and love for each other. And while I know it was great for other people, it was incredible for me. And at the time, I thought that that was something that I needed to do for myself because I knew I needed community around me for the season I was in. And I knew that it was something I needed to do as a leader because I had to be a better example than I was being in that area. What I didn't know is that about six years later, the crap would really hit the fan. And I was going to need the community that I had begun to invest more in and begun to let in, you know, five or six years prior. Had I not let that community in. I just absolutely can't imagine what this season would look like. I've been chronically ill for a long time. It got to a point that I just could not keep going and had to step away from my job as a youth pastor and had to step into a season of focusing completely on getting well because I just genuinely couldn't do any more than that. During that time, uh, I'm telling you, nobody has had to lean on people more than I have had to lean on people. And you don't know anybody who hates leaning on people more than I hate leaning on people. But I have learned that that, that part of me is absolutely pride and that it is just the worst part of me because it allows the enemy a door in and I don't want him to have a door in. I, I remember the day that I had to write the letter basically of, of resignation saying, I, I'm going to have to step away. That day, my, my wife was about to leave the house. It was a really hard day. I was like, I'm about to be home by myself in this, just sit in this. And about five minutes after she left, she walked back in the door and said, I'm working from home today. And I remember being like, man, I'm so glad because I needed to not be my, by myself today. Yeah. And about an, an hour later, our friend Carly, who's like a sister to me, walked in the door and said, hey, I'm working from your house today. And she walked over and sat on the couch with me and gave me a hug and just cried with me because I was just broken. It was a really, really hard time. And about an yeah. hour after that, my friend Eric, who was like my brother, walked to the door and said, hey, I'm working through, I'm working from your house today. Jeez. And he walked in the door with handfuls of groceries and we had to cook out that night and they just hung out with me all day long. And it was one of those things that you would have had to have known how dark of a hole I had found myself in to know how desperately I needed you to show up that day. And that is one example of truly a hundred examples that I could give. Yeah, Guys, I'm just telling you to imagine going through this tough of a season and doing it by myself. I mean, my wife would be there with me, right? But can you also, if you're a spouse, can you also imagine 
the brutality of going through something just really, really hard and what that would also mean for your spouse. Because in the end of, at the end of the day, the community isn't just for you. It's for every part of you. It's for every part of your family. It's for every part of your life, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And if you don't have it, every one of those areas will suffer. Yeah. And this was one of those seasons where I got to look back and go, man, when God put it on my heart that it was time for me to make some changes six years ago, he already knew this was coming. Hmm. Like he knew that far in advance that if this guy doesn't do something different, he's not just going to crash. He's going to crash and burn. And the reason that I was able to still crash, but survive is because I'm surrounded by people and you have to have those people in your life. And so I encourage you, if you don't have that community, do everything that you can to find it. And remember, somebody's going to have to go first. Somebody's going to have to be the person that's transparent, that just feels a little bit exposed, that puts themselves out there, shares their hurts, shares their life. And so it might have to be you. But once that happens and other people start to do the same, you start to learn enough about each other to know what it might mean to actually carry their burdens, to help carry their burdens. Remember, you can't really help carry anyone's burdens and they can't help carry yours if they don't know what they are. This is not coming from somebody who has it all figured out. I had a friend call me out on it last week saying, hey man, you've got to keep talking to me. I know that you're going through it still. You've got to keep talking. Some of you need that right now. And some of you, right now you're in a season where you're going, I don't think I really need it. But I promise you the day will come that you do and you need to make sure you're prepared when that happens. I hope that you guys gained something from this. I hope that it challenged you in some way or it made you think about something differently. And as we say always, thank you for joining us on the Switch Leader Podcast where we decide today the leader we will be tomorrow. Oh,